Hey, it's Kira here. As many of you are aware, Universal Music came after us for using third-party content, and they subsequently took down our In Excess, Madonna, and Tom Petty episodes. Spotify, who's our service provider, well, they threatened that if we keep it up, they're going to pull our entire feed. We contested the issue, arguing that having the music clips in our show constitutes a fair use of the material and cited half a dozen reasons why. Neither Universal nor Spotify have responded to our claim. However, they haven't taken down any more of our shows either. Because of that, we've decided to continue dropping episodes on our original feed. This Aerosmith episode was originally released on our alternate feed called 21 Idiots and a List, and we're dropping it here now so that listeners who haven't gone to the new feed can still hear it. I'm just giving you the heads up as to why we're referencing a different feed in that show. For now, we're going to continue using the original feed. If we disappear without saying goodbye, it's because they wiped us out. In which case, go look for 21 Idiots in a List. We really appreciate all of you listening to us from all over the world and hope the year is treating you well. Peace from a couple of idiots. This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Well, welcome to the new, new episode of 21 Idiots. You're going to confuse people. It's just a new feed, it's still two idiots. <laughs> Two idiots in a list. You can find at Twenty One Idiots and a List. <laughs> this is going to be a nightmare. <laughs> this is your fault. I'm putting this on you. <laughs> I'm comfortable. You with ran that. out and bought a pack of Marlboro Lights just to get in the mood for it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> We're sparking up right after this. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, welcome to the new feed location of the same old show. Hopefully this lasts uh, another three years, and then we'll move to a different... It's been three years. Three years. Can you believe that? Right? Unbelievable. This is our 31st show. Thank you for, for coming with us. Hopefully this continues to grow. Coming up... Good morning, Mr. Tyler. Going down... Fucking Aerosmith. <laughs> this week is Aerosmith. I'm not, I'm not quite sure where I land on this band. Well, you picked it, and I my did. first question to you was why? <laughs> <laughs> the best-selling American band of all time. Certainly in the top. No, it is. The All right, so the, the data I found, and this was off of oh, Business Insider, and this was updated like this year. They come in at number 13 for best-selling music artist at just shy of 70 million units. What the fuck was I looking at? I don't know. I don't know. And that's one of those things. Band from Boston, maybe? <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Could be. I don't know. 
But uh, according to this, Beatles are number one at 183. No, no, no. American bands. Garth Brooks is number two that at 173. That doesn't count as a solo act. <laughs> Elvis is number three. Solo. Get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm right. I think the only other people that get, can, can uh, claim the crown would be the Eagles. Yeah, and Fleetwood Mac. Although, no, according to this article, they beat Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac had a album. They beat the Stones. They beat Madonna. They beat U2, Van Halen, Taylor Swift. They beat all those bands, according to this article. I call bullshit. (laughs) What What are you talking about? This is a bullshit band. They've been after it for 50 years. I get it, but it's still bullshit. They're the music... Combined with, like, the skill, combined with the, I don't know, the the bad boy image, there's a lot there that you go, okay, I get it. I get why you're popular. I get why you you broke into the music industry. But number fucking 11 overall? Yeah, man. That's crazy. They beat some huge names. I can't explain it. And no. Maybe I'll maybe I'll join you in your chorus of calling bullshit because I don't really believe it either. But I read that and I'm like, mm, that sounds a little fucking. But you know what? I'm, it's I'm gonna go with it. Why Aerosmith is a good question, and I have a good answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's Aerosmith is kind of like the hard rock version of Tom Petty. You know, American music that is not complex at all. No, they just funkified some blues riffs, and you know, they made some good songs and songs that have like lasted for a very long time, which is a very hard thing to do. A very long time, probably, arguably <laughs> longer than they should long. have. <laughs> a little too long. A little too long. Their early stuff reminded me of early Alice Cooper, and then some of the sound songs sounded a little more like early Sabbath. And that was primarily in the first through four albums, all of which kind of sounded pretty similar. I didn't hear a lot of diversity, but... No, they, there's not a they, lot of diversity here. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and they give up some really... Like, Led Zeppelin tried to hide their vibes of creepy, you know, older men luring after yes. young pre-teen or, or teenage girls... They tried to hide it. Stones tried to hide it a little bit. These guys are straight out for it. Like, and that's what's very difficult to like reconcile with me now, especially some of these songs that are really have like injected themselves into the mainstream of our culture. Sure. It's like you start listening and singing the lyrics is dicey. Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. So as I'm cruising their catalog, <laughs> I start to see song names pop up mm-hmm. that lend exactly to what you're talking about. Lord of the Thighs. Lord of the Thighs. <laughs> I have it right here. It's like Jailbait. Big 10-inch record. You're right. I mean, this band is not subtle about their... Uh... No, not at all. As a matter of fact, and as much as I detest Ted Nugent and everything that he stands for, Steven Tyler tried to do the same shit. He, of course. He emancipated a 16-year-old girl from his parents so she could take, he could take her across state lines. You're right, right. That's fucking other level pro-creepy shit. Well, and it gets worse. Ugh. It gets worse, which well, I'm sure we'll get into here at some point. Tyler is a unique cat. First of all, he looks like your drunk grandma who did too much acid in the yeah. 60s. Like Waylon Flowers, the, the center square in uh, yes. the, 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 the puppet. <laughs> Madam Flowers. <laughs> Paul that's Lind. A, that, that's an old, old reference. Paul Lind was my favorite from Hollywood Squares. <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> what a menagerie of talent that was on that show. Anyhow, yeah, he's a very strange, odd-looking person. But the the thing I like about this band and his sound is like he's got a very unique-sounding voice. It's like he's you know, you know, drank a, a razor blade milkshake before he he recorded. I, I mean, I like that about it. It's very distinctive. They so call like, him the Demon of Screaming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's 75. <laughs> He's 75 fucking years old. He's 75. They're going on their farewell tour. Their farewell tour. <laughs> Starting in September. Yeah, because he's going to be in the grave shortly. But no, although, who knows? He could be another Keith Richards. Oh, I think he is. There's something to that cocaine business. Well, they, he cocaine. and Joe Perry were called the Toxic Twins. Yeah. And it sounded pretty fit. At one point, Tyler said, I've snorted all of Peru. A swimming pool full. <laughs> He estimated it six to seven million dollars spent on cocaine. On cocaine. They hired a guy to go on tour with him whose only job was to make sure that the cocaine was divided equally and ready at the ready for anybody who's on stage. Because Tyler had his stash. He likes a mixed blend of cocaine and opium. Okay. With just the right amount of baby laxative to cut it so you didn't knock yourself out. These guys were connoisseur levels of fucking coke. And and Joe Perry liked his cocaine with just a touch of whiskey on the side. I mean, these fucking guys were they they were out of fucking control. Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead said he's like, this is the most drugged out band I've ever fucking seen. I saw the same thing. That's saying something. Yeah, right. He, he knew Jimi Hendrix and the experience. Right. <laughs> right. Fucking Ginger Baker back there looking like he did. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy's just like, sounds good to me, man. Right. One of the governors in Massachusetts, I think it was back in the nineties, named April thirteenth Aerosmith Day. Now, why would you do a thing like that? I don't know. I don't know. We'd have guy's to from ask Yonkers. Our, we'd, we'd have to, he is. He's from New York. <laughs> he went to Roosevelt High School, not the same Roosevelt that Stern and Eddie Murphy went to. He went to the one in Yonkers. And he was kicked out of school because an undercover cop at, on the campus busted him with drugs. Go figure. Shocker. <laughs> and on his way out, he stole the bass drum from the, <laughs> from the marching band because he was in the marching band. And he stole the bass drum, and that bass drum is the bass drum that you hear on one of the songs that they played early, later on in their career. We'll get it, it's on uh, "Living on the Edge." Okay, that that's the bass drum. <laughs> bass drum that he stole. Yeah, kind of a fuck you to Roosevelt. These guys have twenty three million monthly listeners on Spotify. I'm not sure that that yeah. surprised me. This is a broad appeal band it is. because of its simplicity, because of the... Yeah, Tom Pettiness. The bad... Yeah, the, it was Tom Petty with a bad boy edge to it. Exactly. I mean, it's like, you know, blues, and then they slammed a little glam rock into it, and some guitar hero shit, sure. and, you know, out pops Aerosmith. I worked with a guy uh, when I worked at the paint store. I don't think you worked with him. <laughs> Not our favorite guy? Carrick and I used to work at the same paint store together. But this kid was a great guitarist, knew everything there was to know about Gibson Les Pauls. Everything. That, he was an encyclopedia. But I had no idea where he got this knowledge from. And he was, a, he was a good player and everything like that. And he floored me one day when he said that Joe Perry was his favorite guitarist of all time. I don't get it. The most talented. Absolutely not. And I would call bullshit and he would get so fucking steamed. He'd run out of the store and smoke five cigarettes before he can gather himself back together and come back and make his argument. I don't get it. Joe Perry's got this reputation as this axe man. He's not. And he's not. No. This is not that good of a guitarist. There's a couple of songs that we'll probably get to 
One of them I have it in my notes. The fucking solo sucks. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you one solo he plays where I'm like, oh, wow, that was really talented. Like, nothing. Like, it's all nothing. It's no. Nothing. He's got riffs. Like, he's just a riff machine. Right. And so, like, a lot of the riffs of, are the reasons why the songs are so simplistic, because his riffs are so simplistic. But, I mean, they get you moving. It's it, They're good. I like them. But it's like, you know... Give me a break. He like, also, Joe yeah. Perry. Like, They're also slow because he wrote half of them while he was gacked out on heroin. Dude. The, he gets so pissed off at Steven Tyler for leaving the band for, I don't know, the umpteenth time when, when Steven Tyler went to go judge American Idol. He did that as a fuck you to the band. Because the band was like, you know, we want to go back on tour. And Tyler's like, I'm done with the tours. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm fucking old. This is when he was 60. <laughs> 15 years ago. Like, well, then go. We'll just get a new front man. And he's like, fuck you, Will. I'm going to go on American Idol. I want to see you go tour without him. They couldn't find You can't find anybody to replace him. No. No matter where, you know, where he is on the creepy meter, he's still a great front man. Right. And Joe Perry got pissed at it. He couldn't find a guy. Or Gary Sharon was busy with Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> well, these guys have four Grammys on 14 nominations. That's... Garbage. That seems a little high. <laughs> Come on, where are they getting those Grammy <laughs> nominations from? They fell into the Disney category after that fucking awful song from Armageddon. Right. Well, and they also, like their money, the, that list that we just talked about where they're so high up, one of the things I saw said a lot of that had to do with Guitar Hero. Oh, yeah. Because Guitar Hero had, it was either Guitar Hero or Rock Band. One of them had like an Aerosmith package you could buy. Yeah, that had I can see that. Any number, I don't know how many songs were on there. But one of the things I saw said they made more money off of that than they made off of all of their albums combined. Now, that is internet detritus. I don't know. I, I wasn't able to verify well, that. Well, I mean, go, yeah, go through their, their, their albums here. The first album in 1973, their self-titled album, had Dream On on it. Now, that's a good song, okay? Yeah. But it got blown off the charts by Springsteen. Right. And never heard, like, that was it. Like, And they're like, okay, guys, I mean, you, you got fucked by, by, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime album from this new kid from New Jersey. You got another shot at it. And they, they did go gold with their next album. Because it had a couple of, you know, same old song and dance and, you know, Lord of the Thighs is on there. <laughs> but they paired up with the Yardbirds producer that gave them kind of like he isolated Tyler's mic to bring his uh, vocals forward because that was needed because he's a unique singer. And he kind of beefed up uh, Joe Perry's guitars a little bit. It gave them their traditional Aerosmith sound. And then after that, they had a couple of good hit records and then they disappeared off the charts because yeah. of the cocaine and the, 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 you know, the success that they had. The only thing I remember when I was growing up, I didn't have any of their albums except for one that everybody I seem to know had. They had the, the 1980s Greatest Death album, the red one yep. with the half of I had uh, that. Yeah, everybody had everybody that Everybody had one. it. And that's like 12 pretty damn good songs. Right. There. And I think they made a lot of money off of that. And they just could never, they couldn't get it together until, you know, when, when did they come back? Permanent Vacation was, well, was kind of a return, but I think it, it was Pump that really kind of brought him in. What was the, was that the late '80s one? It was. It was actually it was Walk This Way that Pump like oh, back the, into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but we can we we'll, 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 we'll get to we'll, that. We'll get around sure. to that. Well, then why don't we get this? Oh, let's get way. to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we we shit on him enough. That's right. <laughs> All right, you picked it. You started. What you got for your honorable mention? My honorable mentions go back to the the, the high school bass drum, uh, "Living on the Edge."
this isn't on my most hated list, but it, but I, I had written in my notes, by this point, I'm pretty sick of Aerosmith and Steven Tyler. <laughs> well, yes, I, for sure. But, I, um, yeah, no, you're right. It was 1993. I was definitely not listening. Like, right. I was watching, like, MTV was on a constant loop in my dorm room or my uh, my town home at, at school. And it was just always on, and that was having to be a, a, a video that was always playing. And I liked it. I always liked it. It was in the background. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> But right. they, they got, like, David Fincher to do Jamie's Got a Gun. They pulled some big talent. Uh, David Fincher is, like, one of the great American directors, and here he is, like, the right now. He wasn't, didn't rise to the stardom yet, but he was getting there. But they, anyhow, that was... They played a Super Bowl halftime. With NSYNC. With NSYNC and Britney Spears. Britney Spears. And Mary J. Blige. It was 2001, Ravens and the Giants. All right, my honorable mention. I'd be astonished if you know this song, or really much fewer, much more people that are listening know this song. But the song is No More, No More. never heard it until I joined my first cover band and the guys that I was in the band with they had already picked some of the set list and this was one of those songs and it was a fun song to play good bass line there was good harmonies in the backing vocals really more of just a fun memory for me than yeah. anything else I will say their bass lines are pretty good they're not bad and they carry a lot of the day yeah yeah and <laughs> because Joe is just fumbling around the fretboard there <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> slipping on his own drool. <laughs> but the no more, no more that like it's not overdone on the Steven Tyler vocals. Uh, it's early enough that it's a little less, you know, glitz and coke glam, and it's more of just kind of a straight rock song. Really, nothing more I can tell you about it other than a fun memory. Yeah. So that's kind of my number five. My number five is Love in an Elevator. Second floor, hardware, children's wear, ladies' lingerie. Oh, good morning, Mr. Tyler. Going down. And the only reason is because of you and me. We had such fun with this song. <laughs> we, we did. <laughs> to this fucking day. <laughs> Going down. What are you? It's so Aerosmith. <laughs> Going down. Right, yeah. He's just not, not hiding it at all. But um, the rest of the song after that is after he gets to the... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a choking a seal there. <laughs> so when I heard that, I thought the same thing. I thought you and I laughing about that introduction, yeah. that goofy fucking laugh he puts on, and the the trite comment about oral sex on him, of course. Of course. And it reminded me of how we always laugh at the car song, Electric. <laughs> always. Yeah. 
I put this under like the, the this is like a Miller Lite playlist, right? This is this, uh, you know, is it Dr. Feelgood? <laughs> you know, like all those songs we listened to in high school when we were like getting fucked up, right? <laughs> like, then this was one of them. Because it's 1989, right? This is our junior, senior year, whatever it was. And in the wheelhouse of Matilda Light, uh, Matilda, Light. Matilda, Bay. Matilda Bay wine coolers and uh, Miller Lite. How, how much would you pay? Oh, a for lot. A box of Matilda <laughs> Bay. Where when we got to the end of the bag yeah. in the box, we would rip the bag out of the box and milk it to get <laughs> to get the last few drops. We used to out. hype each other up for fucking water coolers. It's just water. It's just water, water, water. It's, like it's fucking water coolers. Wine, wine coolers. Wine coolers. Wine coolers. <laughs> oh man! If anybody has a box of Matilda Bay, send it over. Post-case. Even if it was made in 1988, I would oh, still fuck take yeah, it. Oh fuck yeah! It's in a foil it's, bag. It's, you can't go back. It's, it's not going to go bad, right? <laughs> It's going to be 980 proof, but I that's like, all right. So, I mean, I like the, the harmonies in the chorus. I like it. It's a good and So when they play this song in concert, uh, all the bandmates come around to one mic and do, to, a, just do the harmonize. I'm going harmonies, down. Yeah, going down. <laughs> going down. I mean, <laughs> Man. Uh, no, but they also do like Love in an Elevator a cappella. <laughs> it's a very artsy vibe. That's the high point of the evening. <laughs> it's like the Eagles with more coke, if that's possible. <laughs> According to that article, they had more money than the Eagles. I just can't believe that. <laughs> All right. It's All a fun right. song. My number five. I wrestled with a lot of these because I'm not sure I really liked any of them. <laughs> so feel free to pot shot away on on any of this. You're over the Hall and Oates debacle. Yeah, right, like, right. No, go I can't nuts. Be taken seriously. <laughs> I'm assuming I won't be taken seriously on any no, of I these. Think, I think the cat's out of the bag here. <laughs> All right. I have Janie's Got a Gun. I like that song. Janie Got a Gun. So I had this actually higher on my list originally, and only up by like one. But I'll, I'll get to why it knocked down a, a peg here. I'm going to say it's probably for the same reason. That I, it was on my number five, and I just took it off. But I, go ahead. Give me right. your reason. The song is different for them than a lot of what they did. And it's probably... I, and I didn't deep dive the lyrics, because once you do that, you get into the going down shit and all the sexual references and stuff like that. I don't need that. So I didn't deep dive a lot of their other songs in terms of the lyrics, but this one had a little more substance than their other stuff. Yeah. It's not a happy song, obviously, right? (laughs) No, Uh, it's not. And it's, all right, girl's getting molested by her father and she kills him. I'll give them credit for writing about something that I don't think anybody else has ever written about. No, I mean, I'm on board for that, for sure. But, I mean, you're right. It's a, it's a song about incest and vengeance, and that's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy shit. It's heavy. But the, the sound of the song, if you take the subject matter yeah. out of it, the sound of the song's pretty cool. I like it. They've got that sort of slap pop, and I don't know if it's a bass guitar that they've run through a processor or what, but at the beginning, it's someone's popping the strings on a stringed instrument yeah. the way you would a bass, and the way it's processed sounds kind of cool. 
And then they've got like layers of keys and percussion and orchestra that it's just not theirs. Yeah, it's normally a, it's a it's a highly produced song, which is not normal for Aerosmith, but right. it, it worked out well. It's it's a good song. I like it. It's just it's not one of those ones you seek out because no. you know it's it's yeah the subject matter is a little tense. Yeah, and there's no real life basis for the song. He came up with a title. Janie's got a gun, right? And then he formed the song around the title. So it's really just like the brain of Steven Tyler giving you what <laughs> whatever it's, fertile ground that was caused by cocaine. Here you go. Here's what I'm coming up with. So here's the fertile ground that Steven Tyler's brain was going over at the time. His mother of his two daughters did not allow him to have any contact with them until they were like 12 or 13 or whatever. With good reason, based on the comment that I heard him say, which I'm assuming you're kind of leading towards. Yeah. And, you know, when he met 14-year-old Liv Tyler, he had made uh, very, I don't know, questionable comments about her physical appearance and how you know half of her is me and the other half is the person that i found attractive so why wouldn't i be attractive but you got to stop that because a real man doesn't do that okay i'll give him credit for saying those things out loud but i just don't know i think that to me it's i'm not the father of a daughter so i don't it just sounded icky to me i am the father of a daughter and i didn't like it when i saw this quote i had never heard the quote but he did admit to rolling stone that he was attracted to his daughter Liv. right Quote, all a man has to do is to be totally honest with himself, and he can see it. However, the real man knows that's just a place to never go. That's an unreal statement. This song is about fathers who don't know the difference. Okay. Okay. I mean, I I, I wish not to wrestle with this too much, because it is fucking Steven Tyler, and I'm sure he was higher than a kite when he was talking to Rolling Stone. But it's out there. So another comment about it. You had mentioned David Fincher before. David Fincher, by the way, among other movies, directed Seven. He directed this video. This is one of the songs that I have very specifically noted. Guitar solo blows. It's awful. It's an it's awful solo. About. Yeah, it's like, he's, it's like he's fucked up. Yeah. Which I'm guessing he probably was. But, well, yeah. where was this? This was off of Pump, right? Uh, I didn't note that. Yeah, it's off of Pump on '89. So, yeah, right, right. And he's back to his old tricks. Sure, they all went to rehab in like <laughs> the, the early '80s. Like yeah. the whole band went. Yeah, all five of them. <laughs> five. That's that's impressive. That's good stuff, right there. Y'all did yeah. good work. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How do you fucking get... Like, I'll give it to them for that. I mean, all five of you are that fucked up and you can keep a music career going? I mean, you didn't see that until you got into, like, <laughs> the Alice in Chains. Right. right. And half of those guys died. Yeah. Well. <laughs> all right. What is your number four? Oh, shit. We're at number four. I've, I've always liked this song. This song is off of their lesser-known album from 1976, Rocks. It's Last Child. Dirty, funky. Tyler's voice sounds probably the best on any track that I've, I've heard about this. Whenever you can rhyme Tallahassee with Sassafrasse, <laughs> I'm fucking in, all the way in. It's great. 
This song's got a great swing groove. It's great. I, when I heard yeah. it, I, I I recognized it. I didn't know it well, but I recognized it, and I was like, oh, I forgot about the groove on this. It's dirty. Yeah. And that swing is dirty, and that's, I really like, like, that's cool, man. Yeah. It's a cool swing. Yeah. It's a good vibe. <laughs> my number four, you've already mentioned it. Doesn't sound like you like it. I don't care. It's my number four. It's I don't want to miss a thing. Check, please. <laughs> Every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure. fucking weddings we go to uh, this fucking <laughs> song that's when I run right out to the bathroom <laughs> do a couple of key bumps <laughs> one of the reasons I like it they didn't write it it was written, well, written by Diane Warren right and she was inspired and this is kind of hokey she was inspired by James Brolin saying he missed his wife Barbara Streisand even when he was sleeping I don't want to fall asleep. That, that, that's love, man. <laughs> James Brolin. Didn't he play Thanos? Yeah. That's Josh Brolin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's James Brolin's his dad, right? No. I didn't think so. Oh, I don't know. That would be an odd marriage. <laughs> <laughs> so that was from the movie Armageddon. It was one of four Aerosmith songs on the soundtrack. It's a stupid four? fucking movie. Four. It is awful. It's an awful movie. It's my wife's one of her top <laughs> It's an it awful just movie. The worst. Although Liv Tyler is attractive, I gotta give Stephen that he was right. <laughs> She's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> this is their second most played song on Spotify. They're only number one, right? As far as I know. That I don't know. That I don't know. But they did perform this during their halftime show at the 2001 Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I listened to it and I was like, eh, I like this song. You like the or- orchestra? Yeah. Well, the beginning's a little, yeah. 56-piece <laughs> orchestra. It's a little drippy at the beginning, for sure. He also doesn't do too much of that, you know, shit. Are you kidding? At the end of the song? Well, see, I probably turned it off at some point. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, I'm not sure enough. I listened to any of these all the way through. <laughs> I hear it and I just immediately just go into a rage. You run. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, hey, listen, it's their most popular song, right, by far? or It's their second, second most popular okay. song. What am I, am I going? Yeah, your number three. Yeah, all right, my, my number three is, this one is a big one, and, I, it, and I'm surprised, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, it, it should have been up higher, but I've got other, two other ones that are just too good to move. This one is Walk This Way. Now, I'll give you both versions. The first version of Walk This Way. Was 
was off of the Toys in the Attic 1975. Now, if you listen to that track in particular and look at the charts of 1975, this was there was nothing that sounded like this. Right. Nothing. I mean, it was that that riff was heavy. It, Led Zeppelin wasn't playing shit like that. No. Like, you know, those guys were blues-based, and, you know, they were very talented, but they were blues-based musicians, and that's kind of where they stuck. This riff, this riff is really one of a kind. It's great. And, like, the rapping that he does over it right. is it's just, you didn't hear it. Yeah. And I love it. I love the song. Now, when they paired up with Run DMC in 86. So that version is my number two. Okay. And I specifically make it that version. And I agree with you right. that the, the 79 version was really, really good. Yeah. And all right. it was so unique. We'll table that with... All right. So that's... We that's can talk, that. on the, talk on the 79 version. We'll come we back. talk and, about yeah. the... Well, the 79 version, I think, yeah, that that's just... Or the 75 version was just that. It was just like expressly unique for that time period. And it's like... It's it stood out. It stood out for years. Yeah. The verses and the chorus are in a different key than that riff, which is six whole notes lower. So when you listen to it, the verse and the chorus are up here, and then it drops down six mm-hmm. steps and hits the... The whole bend that... Right. Yeah. And they bend up into the yeah. into the lines, and then the chorus is in that same key. Mm-hmm. Like, for these knuckleheads geezed out of their minds... This was a pretty unique tune. Yeah. This is not something that you would kind of just come up with all whacked out, or maybe you did and you just caught lightning in a bottle. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's just go with lightning in a bottle because <laughs> you know, I can't imagine that they're, uh, you know, for the Berkeley School of Music. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's probably what makes it so catchy. You're constantly bouncing back up and down and up and down in the key registers, and then, you know, that riff is killer, and, the, and his voice is great. Yeah. It really does it. All right, so then we'll wrap it back around with your number two. All right, so my number three is Angel. You're the ballad monster today. I am. <laughs> I must have been feeling melancholy since we've gotten our, our willies slapped by a... Uh... This was off of Permanent Vacation, the only other album I had, although I had it on cassette, other than that Aerosmith Greatest Hits that everybody had. I don't know where I got the cassette of Permanent Vacation, but I had it. It was in our house. My, either my brother bought it or I bought it. Well, but I yeah, it's, it. it was around. I, I listened to it thinking, well, I'm going to know a bunch of shit off of this. Not really. No. I knew Angel and maybe one other song, and that kind of surprised me because... Well, it wasn't like I had hundreds of cassettes. It's weird that you say that because their 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 comeback, which was Permanent Vacation, Pump, and Get a Grip, right? 87, 89, 93. That was their comeback. And I, I wrote, down, wrote down here, this was a fun comeback. I wasn't, like, I'm not going out to super see their shows, but I'm glad that this music is around. And then I went back to, like, Permanent Vacation. Permanent Vacation, 1987, have a lot of memories surrounding, like, that was always around. It was. Right. Ragdoll, Dude Looks Like a Lady, and Angel. Right. That's it. That's the only ones I recognized off of there. Pump. Janie's Got a Gun, and Tell Me What It Takes to Let You Go. You right. Know, that, that's the only thing. And then Get a Grip, Eat the Rich, 
living on the edge and crying and crazy. Yeah. Like all ballads, pretty much all ballads sure. there. So I can't. I don't know why Aerosmith stuck in my head in in that time period, but that was like high school into college, and for some reason they were always around. They were hugely popular in those last last part of the eighties. Well, and here's a question: We've done an episode on hair metal. If you're new to this pod, check out Harry Christmas. Was a gift. Was a gift, and we give hard. <laughs> we give episode. till it hurts. <laughs> Aerosmith didn't make a list for either of us. And you could argue that these guys were in the thick of that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, they they were a hard rocking band from the the 70s that fell into a mountain of cocaine, dragged themselves out with the help of hip-hop, then basically turned around and said, I'm going to show you all you hair metal kids how to write a ballad. Right. And that's all they did, right? Which is what you said killed them, which I agree with. Yeah. And... Also, what made the hair metal era fly because it brought in the women. Right. Why wouldn't I mentally tie Aerosmith into hair metal? I never considered them when I was creating that list. Yeah, never. I don't know. Maybe because they were a 70s band first, and then we didn't, like, they reemerged as, like, this ballad machine in the later part of the 80s. I don't know, but you're right. Those ballads, like, you know, that when they were killing hair metal, like, they might have been the longest dagger to reach the heart because <laughs> they're, like, <laughs> They got really syrupy really fast. Like, yeah. at, like crazy and crying. And crying, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right. a- Angel started it. <laughs> I like Angel, though. I, I do like it. But I don't I don't care for... It's a pretty the, classic mid-80s ballad. Yeah. There's yeah. not really got, anything to it. Steven Tyler warbling with no music behind him. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I could. I do. I'll listen to it once, (laughs) once a decade. All right, fantasy concert lineup time. You want to go? You want me to go? I can go. You know, I often look for inspiration on these by googling bands like Aerosmith. Okay. Did it come up with Aerosmith? (laughs) (laughs) No, but it came up with a list of about fifty bands, which it typically does. One of whom was Mother Love Bone. And I was like, we'll get, to that. get the fuck out of here. We'll get to that. Uh, the other thing about that list, though, of those 50 or so bands, we have done an episode or requested them in our fantasy concert lineups, about half of them. <laughs> and it was a pretty broad list. I mean, it touched on hair metal. It touched on 70s rock. It touched on 90s alternative rock it touched on a lot of different things yeah i mean it's like when we look at these bands in their historiographies we don't look at like they always say like well led zeppelin was a huge influence over the beatles or, you know you know queen definitely influenced us kiss influences for sure uh i never hear Aerosmith being an influence no right no and i can't think of and we can get to this and we will we, we've got a segment that we can talk about right. you know whether they moved things forward all right so I looked at this, and when I was listening to their early stuff, my first thought was the Dazed and Confused era and that sound. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that soundtrack. I want to hear Foghead.
Give me some slow ride. <laughs> slow ride's a good tune, man. <laughs> There's that whole movie was so great for this early 70s, mid-70s kind of sound that, that Aerosmith had early on, and they had some iconic songs during that time. But the rest of it, Nazareth. <laughs> Love hurts. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, there were winners and losers on that soundtrack. <laughs> ben Affleck getting paint all over him. <laughs> I'll kick all your fucking asses. <laughs> With the fuck you, Paul. <laughs> When, when I watch that movie and I see the groove that those kids have, you know, obviously we weren't quite that, we're not quite that old, but I think we can kind of relate to that in a, in a I'm pretty sure way. I had black and white striped pants that are bell bottoms. Oh, sure. Fifth right. grade somewhere around. Right, right. animals. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, along that same line, and I hate this fucking guy, and I hate him with a passion, but there's one of his songs that I really like. It's Stranglehold, and we're talking the Nuge. Stranglehold is a good song. Anything else associated with this guy? You could just throw in the dumpster. Yes. But I like that, too. But I tell you, the Stranglehold's got about three minutes, and then it goes into that creepy bass solo that goes on for, like, seven minutes, hey, right? You just move that out of the way, yeah. <laughs> just move that. That's when we're going to get a boneless rib sandwich. Or you going to jump up on stage and kick him off of his fucking bison that he rides around. <laughs> I've got Nuge and Foghat, and then we're going to clean it up with the Aerosmith. That's a good bill. Yeah. I see a circus tent somewhere. I wanted to go into the 80s, kind of, and I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't know. Uh, now you're making me rethink some shit. <laughs> All right, well, fuck it. No, I'm doing it. My, you go for doing it. Doing my lineup. Okay. All right, so my lineup is going to be a part of a, a part of the conversation we're about to have with your, your number two song. Run DMC was a big part of the uh, bringing hip-hop into American culture with the MTV movement and everything like that. And the other band that was equally responsible, if not more, was the Beastie Boys. I've always loved the BC Boys from the very moment that I saw Fight for Your Right to Party, which is a dumb video now when, in retrospect when you look at it. Yeah. There's a lot of complications with that. Those boys grew into fine young men. But I've always been a fan of the Beastie Boys all the way through to the last album that they, they did together before. Paul's Boutique is a fucking kick-ass album. It's all. The like, whole album yeah. is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of like Paul's Boutique, Licensed to Ill. It's just like when I heard them smash the ocean together with their rap, I was like, what the fuck is this? I could tell, I tell you exactly where I was. I was in Brad's kitchen playing poker with him and I was into him for about 40 grand. <laughs> just kept on losing. He just kept sharpening his teeth with a file. <laughs> and he would just and he would play license to ill and that was the only reason why I went over there is just to lose more money and smoke cigarettes with him. But so I want to see the Beastie Boys. They're uh, I'm a big fan of theirs. 
And then I just need some good old fashioned British heavy metal in that era to counterbalance and cleanse the palate from Aerosmith. Give me Iron Maiden. Give me Killers, give me Trooper, give it all to... I love Iron Maiden. <laughs> I love it. You were trying to convince me to do an Iron Maiden oh episode, and it's not off the table. Opportunity mists. It's not off the table. It's I love Maiden. Just bring on Maiden, and then, you know, while I'm going, walking to my car in the parking lot, getting a Let heroes with play? play. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that brings us to our number twos. What do you have at number all right, so Maya number two is off of a very early album of theirs. It's their second album, and it is Seasons of Wither. It's a straight-up power ballad for them. I don't know this song. The song does not ring a bell it at all. It is such a good song. When you listen to it, you'll be like, oh, shit, that is, that is tight. The interesting thing, the strangest thing about it is, like, he wrote the song because he was, quote, pissed off about his taxes. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't get it. He was, he was just laying around, just pissed off about his taxes went downstairs and started playing the drums and like this riff came out of him and then he just got the band together and they're like all right let's put together a lot of transitions to keep you interested and engaged in the song it's really great i really like this song and this this one rocketed to the top is he friends with the guy from major league um, that went to prison (laughs) so seasons of wither is on mother love bones album cover right their their lp that they pressed and there's a set list a written a handwritten set list on the album cover and on the set list, Seasons of Wither is one of them. And there is a bootleg version of Mother Love Bone doing this song that I cannot put my hand to. Well, then that makes sense why they showed up in that same list. Yeah, that's why I'm, that's what I'm saying. Because I was fucking mystified. And Andrew Wood singing this song with Stone Gossard behind him and Amen would have been fucking banger. And if anybody has like anybody knows what that fucking thing is. They, it's a legend. Like somebody's got it on bootleg somewhere. Luca, I need your help. <laughs> yeah, we have a we have a friend that has access to a fuckload of music. <laughs> right. He'd be the place to get it from. Right. Exactly. So yeah, seasons of wither. Great song. All right, my number two. We've already talked about it a little bit. Mine is the 1986 version of Walk This Way. All right. So this is interesting to me. Why is it specifically the 86 version for you? <laughs> Just don't care. So I took a picture at the high school dance with a lady who was ready to play. 
When you think about the impact of, obviously I don't remember the impact of the original, right. but I remember the impact of the one with Run DMC. And this is a Run DMC song. If you pull it up, it's not Aerosmith with Run DMC. It's Run Run DMC. Right. Run looked at this and he said, I'm listening to this song from a, a time that didn't really apply to me from a culture that I wasn't brought up in and from a group of people that I have maybe not always been welcomed to be a part of. And I hear something. And I hear the ability to take something that is old and white and mix it with something that is new and black. And maybe I can bring these two together. And I don't know that he was doing this in an effort to, you know, bring peace and happiness across the land, or if he just looked at it as, this would be a really cool matchup. I think that consequence, unintended or not, was it exposed people like me who hadn't had a lot of exposure to this different culture of music and go, that's fucking great. Right. Like, I really remember that aspect of it. And it was packaged really well. The video was awesome. Steven Tyler in the video is awesome. When his head breaks through the wall and yeah. he starts singing right when the chorus busts open. Yeah. I mean, the walls that separate the two genres yeah. were broken down by a musical you know, collaboration. And I'm sure that you had funk bands in the late 70s that were sure. probably doing versions of this. I can't name them off the top of my head, but I can name this one. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was cool it was important the the opening drums are are like really crisp and processed and then they you know they kind of go into the rap they don't really change the song like it's the same song essentially in structure and lyrics and all those other things they may have thrown a couple variations in there but they don't change it substantially right in terms of the structure it didn't need it to be and that's what rick rubin heard yeah rick rubin heard that and he's like you guys ought to do this and they were Run DMC that the, the the trio of them did not want to do it in the first place, and he's like, "No, there's something here." And then they kept on listening to it, and they're like, "Oh yeah." And then so I think it was Run that ran the, the turntables, and he started to to loop and scratch the drums right. that introduced this song. Yeah. And then he and when the the guitar when he scratches the guitar in, that's when you're like, "Oh, this is this is different." I really like this. Yeah. This is my version that I listen to when I watch listen to this song because I like the the collision of these two cultures and with MTV really piping the shit out of this video it was everywhere it pumped the hell out of it it was cool yeah it was cool oh it was great that was it hip-hop took off it took off and it took off outside of just the black community right because there was so much talent and good music there that that was just it was the old A&R story again it's like oh shit this is, let's go find the other ones and the, like there was a shit ton of rap artists out there and hip-hop artists out there just waiting to get discovered and they did well and you also were able to, to tap this audience that was like where yeah. it's no longer the black community that is just listening to it is the uh, a mix of, of kids that are going, hey, this is great. Now you look at like what our kids listen to, and they're uh, it's absolutely no thing to them to be like, well, I, I love R and B and I love rap and I, yeah. I love rock and I love you know right. blah 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 blah. Yeah. Whereas we were probably a little more channeled and simply due to lack of exposure. 
this gave us some exposure. Yeah. Which, which I is, give them a lot of credit for. Which is always why, like, I always pin my cultural makeup back to MTV because they, like, regular rock radio stations that we grew up with, like, that's all you could get. And they were programmed by Top 40 guys. I'm reading an interesting book now called Hitmen about the payola scandal in Los Angeles and how how songs made it to the record, you know, to made it to the radio and how they became top 40 albums. You know, how does Pink Floyd sell out LA Coliseum five nights in a row and can't get played on the radio in LA? Well, this is why, because they wouldn't play ball. Right. It's a great book, but like, that's what you're talking about. MTV knocked all those things down. All those barriers got knocked down by MTV. The British new invasion, the British new wave that would come over, getting to watch concert footage of Journey in Houston. Like you never saw concert footage before. And then, you know, what they did with, you know, this cross, over with hip hop and everything like that. It was really cool. I really like it. Yeah. It's a great yeah. song. This is a great version of this song. Great version of that song. Actually, the rest of that album, because I, I took a little cruise down that Run DMC album that had this on it. Mm-hmm. You know, their song was on there. It's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. This piece is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right. On top. It's tricky. It's tight. Here we go. It's tricky to rock around, to rock around. That's right. On time. It's tricky. I fucking loved it. It's great. I listened. I was like, oh my God, I've heard this in years. And isn't uh, Christmas in Harlem? Christmas in Harlem? I don't remember. The one that's in, the one that's in Die Hard? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, think that's I don't know if that's on there or not, but I, I saw It's Tricky and played it, and I was I had to, I had to do a little dive on that, too, because it just caught me. Do you remember who the riff was from in It's Tricky? I know this. No, I don't remember. It's my Sharona. Yes, of course I knew that. God damn it. And yeah. the, the Knack sued them in, in 2006. Because they, they probably just woke up from their coma. <laughs> that was 20 years after the fact. I guess they claimed that they had they had never heard the song before. Yeah. Wow, you had a busy, busy 80s, 90s, nods. Yeah, right. The Knack. All right, what is your number one? My number one, you kind of mentioned, well, the, the movie that it comes from, Days and Confused. It's probably in the on the Mount Rushmore, the coolest fucking five seconds of film that has been recorded when, I forget who the kid's name is, not Pink, his Blue Nova cruising through the parking lot. Yeah. As uh, the first bars of Sweet Emotion come on, and it's like a shark like circling, <laughs> right. just blazing up in there, and then the hi hat or the, uh, the the cymbals crash, and it goes into Sweet Emotion. I love this fucking song, and the the, the riff is killer. Baseline is killer. It just all comes together. Such a cool vibe. And every time I hear it, I'm like, I've been in parking lots and schools cruising like that. <laughs> you know, I remember what that's like. That's uh, you, fucking cool. You, you and I hit hit the same number one. Oh no shit. Yeah. That's I, a rarity. I have it is a rarity. And <laughs> I have always liked this song. Yeah. I liked this song when I was a little kid and I heard it. 
I liked it in my teen years. I liked it when it came out in that movie. I remember this song from a long time ago, and every time I've heard it since, this little bit of a grin kind of hits yeah. me. And I'm not sure You're about why. to get up to some shit. Yeah, right? there's just something. <laughs> right? That intro, they have like a like a mouth flanger effect, like what Peter Frampton used to yeah. use. Wow, yeah, 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 wow. And, it's really cool. And they've got, you know, and, and like you talked about, they hear the, you know, and they hit the snare and the cymbal at the, right before the vocals come in. They hit the harmony. You're like, yeah. It's a slow burn. Yeah. And then when that when that riff, when, when Perry's riff turns in. Which it's is like, super chunky. And it's in your face yeah. too, and it's like really like oh shit okay yeah. let's let's go and then he starts with his you know kind of rap rocking his his deal that's the way he delivers his lyrics it's great yeah I try not to pull apart the lyrics too much don't really want to get that <laughs> to get the, uh, that close yeah, to it the male rocker lyrics are certainly part of that right you stand in the front just a shake in your ass yeah. I'll take you backstage you can drink from my glass. <laughs> I don't think he's offering her a beverage. Yeah, I mean, same thing with like the walk this way lyrics. Sure. It's like, I just don't pull them apart. It's like, right. It's, it's all right. It's, it's good. They're good songs. You get into trouble. That's a great, great tune. And and it's, it's uh, it doesn't have, doesn't have a solo. Not that I can detect. Not, no. That I can not remember. that I can it's think just, of. Yeah, it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, I'm out. Right. It's great. Right. Love that song. Okay. Most hated. All right, let's do it. I've got most hated. I hate that fucking song from Armageddon. And you know what the fucking song is? Like, she wrote that song. You know who they offered it to first? And they said, absolutely fucking not. I think I read this and I don't remember. They, they offered it to you too. <laughs> and you too. I did not read that. Get out of here with that. We write our own music. <laughs> I had Crazy as one of them. Yep. Yeah, you first notes i heard it i was like this is bullshit <laughs> it starts off with come here baby yeah i mean <laughs> if i said that to my wife she'd punch me in the nose <laughs> come here baby let's try that there's flamenco guitar and a harp and that's all that get a grip album and that same thing crying is on my list Ooh, like there was a time please my wife's like college it's midnight i've had a lot of schaefer light <laughs> i am alicia silverstone <laughs> somebody put that on the put, put that on the stereo now <laughs> that actually did a hell of a lot for her career by the way oh yeah that was i think that was was that before or after um clueless I think no it was, right it was before before right it's and then she uh, got a couple of things said that that really launched her career but yeah it was hard to say exactly because she had done other shit. But. Well, then she did Clueless, and then they gave her her own fucking studio, <laughs> which was interesting. Right. <laughs> I also had What It Takes.
sappy for all the, the, They're all the same. All the same. They're all the same. Right? Even that stupid Armageddon song. Yeah. They're all the same kind of like, like you could have just, like, no. There's more teeth to the Armageddon song than, than what it takes. I'm going to stand up for that one. But, for, all right. <laughs> all right. Take it easy over there. I, <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm, I'm just as an overall, I'm not a fan of the slimy 70s rocker vibe that oozes from oh, God, a lot yes. of these songs and interviews. There are 13 books written about Aerosmith, either autobiographies, biographies, or tutorials on fucking Aerosmith. 4,000 pages have been written about this band. Do we really need 13 books about Aerosmith? How did they make it to number 11 on Business Insider's list? I don't fucking get it. I read, you know, Crazy from the Heat. That's David David Lee's... (laughs) Roth's which was book, good. I read it too. Which was fucking fantastic. But I don't need seven books on David Lee Roth. No. You know? <laughs> These guys are something. Everyone in the band has their own, you know, memoirs of their... Like, right. I get it. You're from fucking Boston. You have, you're have you in dead-end jobs, and you happen to, to catch lightning in a bottle, and you made a million dollars overnight, and you stuffed cocaine up your nose for seven years. Okay, I get it. Like, right. well, what do you want me to do? Fucking... There's not a lot of different pages to turn in yeah. that story. Want me to do needlework for you? What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I also had Dude Looks Like a Lady on this list. That song just doesn't make sense to me. No, and, and I don't. I never liked that song. It got a lot of airplay. Oh, yeah, it did. And they repeat it 12 times at the end. That's too much. <laughs> and then he finishes it, finishes it with that stupid vocal ripping, riffing. I, the, yeah, yeah, that, that stuff. I do like the... <laughs> I do like that, though. There's a fine line between obnoxious and cool. And Steven Tyler dances on that line a lot. All right, what's your coolest four seconds? I had it. Where the fuck is it? Well, I'll start. Go ahead. I'm going to go with the intro to Sweet Emotion. Yeah, man. Weirdo, the Guido, what do they <laughs> 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 I don't even know what that's called. But you can hear it. It's cool. Just rolling Miles into that, that snare cymbal hit, man. It's great. You find it? It's lost in the it, it, was, it, was, it wasn't a big box on my, <laughs> my spreadsheet here. Alright, I have got another one then. Uh, there's a vocal slide up in Angel when he sings loneliness took me for a ride and then he kind of trills it off at the end and then whoops it back up again tired of his antics but that felt like a pretty good representation of a, of a mid-80s Steven Tyler moment yeah I like the uh, the very 
first screech in Back in the Saddle. does that I, well listen he's got he's got a talent that is the talent i would agree <laughs> i like the I, I like the title of 1985's album now this was a time when they were ghosts in the machine there like there four albums there that i saw nothing that i knew of the 1980 greatest hits album was it because they were all in the, the depths of their cocaine addiction and they just couldn't get it together and so they did 1982 rock in a hard place didn't do anything. And then 1985 was supposed to be their comeback. Their comeback really didn't start until Walk This Way, and they paired up with, with Run DMC. Right. Um, in 1985, though, they, they named their album Done With Mirrors. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, they weren't. <laughs> I, I think they used I think mirrors. they were just snorting yeah. straight from Straight the out box. of the bag. Yeah, like. <laughs> Sisters of Mercy. A hundred percent no. No, I've got like two songs from them that no. I can... None. Got, yeah, right? It, uh, None. That's <laughs> right. Not even if you trip over them in the middle of the night. when. I, I, to... I'll correct that. You know, Sweet Emotion, if it's on in yeah. the grocery store, I'll, you know, <laughs> kind of do a little bit of head bob to it. If you're in the middle of the lake and you're bobbing around, you know, on your floaty with the beer and that comes on, I'm a happy guy. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. I'm a happy guy. Right. I'm not going to say, turn this shit off! <laughs> But if Angel comes on, like, skip. <laughs> Alexa, skip. God damn it, I said skip. <laughs> All right, question for you. We haven't asked this in a while. Steve Perry or Steven Tyler? I like Steven Tyler's voice better. Yeah, because he can hit the falsettos. I had the question written down, and I don't know that I even really thought about the answer. <laughs> I don't know who I'd want High-valued question. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I like Stephen Tyler's voice, though. I do. Perry, Perry obviously didn't scat as much as Tyler did. And I don't well, know that styling. that would fit, right? You know, if, yeah. if you had Perry doing the whoops and the scats, it would sound really lame. And I don't I'm, think... I'm going to go with Perry just because Aerosmith irritated me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a tough, tough beat. <laughs> Gar's question, did they move music forward? They had the, you know what? They had the potential to. Yes. They did. They had a platform that was enormous. Yeah, they did. Think about how many people know these songs. This, you know, if you're brand new to this and just happen to pick up our random new feed, we were doing this before (laughs) with another 30 episodes that may or may not still be there. (laughs) You think about, like... We had talked about possibly doing this episode without the music and just describing or humming or doing whatever. This is an episode we could have gotten away with doing it mm-hmm. because so many people know so many of these yeah, songs. They're like Eagles and Tom Petty, but yeah. But uh, on that also, like they had they had a chance and opportunity. To, like again, when I go back to that "Walk This Way" when that came out in '75. Like there's nothing else like that on the on the radio, right? And that's a good goddamn song, and it's really unique for that time yeah. period, right? It blows Jackson Brown out of the fucking water, sure, right? So they had an opportunity, and I think they just snorted it all the way. And also, I think they were very limited on their talent. 
Oh, I agree. Like, Joe Perry is not a talented guitarist. He sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) That's the next knock at the door. (laughs) Hey! Hey, we're on tour. We're coming through. Uh, you know? Hey, we're stopping Chicago. We got to find these two idiots. Oh, sorry. 21 idiots. <laughs> There's 21 of them. We better turn back. Bring the crew. <laughs> with the guy with the cocaine. Speaking of which, would you see them if they came around again? Well, they're playing with the Black Crows. I'd, I'd, go see I'd like to see the Black Crows. Yeah, I'd see the Black Crows. But I'm not paying the ticket price to see the Black Crows and walk out before the Aerosmith comes on. And they're not going to open with Sweet Emotion. Cheap son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if they open with Sweet Emotion, okay. You know what? That would, yes, that's perfect. I go see the Black Crows because I really like right? them. Hang around for the set change. Yeah. See the, you know, the big angel wings fly and, sure. the, and the A. Grab right? a $15 beer. and <laughs> 21. <laughs> you know, if they were opened up with Sweet Emotion. Perfect. I do have to say, I, I would like to stick around <laughs> for the acapella. <laughs> Going down. Going down. Yeah. So I can just get those two juicy bits. <laughs> I'll, the, yeah. I'll be on the bus first. There you go. <laughs> All right. They're MVP. I fucking goose egged this. I couldn't come up with one. You can't even say it's the cocaine. No. Because I don't think the cocaine helped. No, it, it fucking submarined them for half a decade. <laughs> yeah. And they got lucky with, with you know a what? handful of songs. I'm going to give it to fucking Run DMC. Well, it certainly brought their career Save back around. these bitches. Yeah. Well, I, I would agree with and that. And they came back with a vengeance yeah. with those three albums in the late 80s. And then they got that. They, they lucked into that Armageddon song. And then you just can't get rid of these fuckers. No. No, they're like the clap. <laughs> Which, you know, Not all the of them. fun kind either. <laughs> no. Not applause. <laughs> rankings. Oh, geez. I forgot, <laughs> forgot to do my rankings. Skill. I, I got them at a one and a half. I have skill at two. I had two here, and I'm thinking one and a half because really it's just t- well, their bass player's not bad. Yeah, it's eh, the drummer's okay. All right, I, I'll, I'll you talk me back into my original number, which was two. <laughs> I had no credit for me. <laughs> <laughs> Image. Uh, all right, they got the bad boy rock thing down. <sighs> Although he does look like your whacked out grandmother. Yeah, he looks like you know crazy Ann Alice. Yeah. <laughs> who stayed a little too long for Thanksgiving. Three. <laughs> who got white wine drunk before noon. <laughs> On white Zinfandel. And <laughs> started like pushing shit around. Oh, yeah. Do you really think this needs to be here? I think you should move this over here. Oh, God. Three? I go three. Yeah, two and two. <laughs> two. I just didn't act that cool. I got a minute two. You don't like all the scarves hanging off the mic stand? <laughs> I was going to mention, I love your scarves that you you know, you know draped over your mic That are on the table legs? <laughs> it's like there's a separate suitcase that you brought down for all your scarves. What kind of bullshit is that? Catalog. You know, Joe Elliott started to do that, too, and it really pissed me off. <laughs> I'm going to tell him next time I see him. Go ahead. Um, and the catalog is a two. I have a two here, too, actually. Man, ooh, they did they got a rough ride from us. Uh, yeah, you know what? But you know what? <laughs> You're going to lose your library card and picking bands here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. 
membership. We're suspending your membership in the club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if, <laughs> if you're a classic here. American band, you could not like live in a universe where Aerosmith didn't fucking walk the earth. If you're hearing this, snort all the cocaine. If you if you're that's hearing what was this, wrong. they took all the cocaine from us. That's right. <laughs> There's none left. All of Peru is gone. <laughs> if you're hearing this, you have followed us to our new home. God knows how long this will last. We have no idea how this whole system works. And uh, as soon as somebody threats us with something financial, we'll be gone. Move again. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll move again and call us. Uh, yeah, well, it'll be 211 idiots in a list. But we have some ideas to play around with the formula anyhow, so we might uh, throw a couple of those at you uh, somewhere down the, route, the line for summertime. Something that won't get us in trouble with these filtration systems that oh, look for it. property Let's that somebody else owns. It. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Appreciate you following us. Hey, if you could share us again, I know we keep asking for that, but now we really need you to because this is under a different feed. So anything you can do to help us grow, hey, we love it. 